Stuck in an endless cycle of setting goals that don't work. Trying to be more productive but always falling short? If so, this episode is for you. We're going to talk about why your goals may be one of the biggest things holding you back from success. Here's what I want you to do today. Burn your goals. And maybe, just maybe, we'll come up with something that finally gets you moving in the direction of your dreams. Welcome to the Readout Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Welchens. For the past 10 years, I've been helping young leaders reach their potential. At Readout, our belief is that to lead out, you have to read out. And to read out means to read well and to read broadly. Almost every great leader in history has been a reader. And we wholeheartedly agree with Margaret Fuller when she said, today a reader, tomorrow a leader. Reading is not optional to leadership. It's not the side dish. It's the main course. And in order to become a great leader, you have to dig in. But here's the problem. We here at Readout know that in this day and age, time and energy is hard to come by. My hope is to save you that time and energy and bring you the best books that can have impact in your life right now. Then I want to teach you to get the most out of these books so that you can become the leader you've always dreamed of being faster than you ever imagined. Our dream is to create a movement of young adults passionate about reading and dangerously effective at leading. Thank you to everyone sharing and reviewing us. I truly appreciate that you would take the time to do that. We need your help building this movement, and it really means a lot to me that you would spend your precious time helping us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to episode two of our new series called Your Next Chapter. In this series, we'll take one of our recommended books and then read and analyze one of its best chapters. From start to finish, we will have you pumping literary iron on the best content from the best books. Think of it as a crash course for instant application or a mini audiobook where you get to skip the fluff. At Readout, we don't just read books, we apply them and master them. So here's to today's chapter. Today's chapter comes from Burn Your Goals by Joshua Medcalf and Jamie Gilbert. If you want to check out our episode from the book, go back to the book that may just wreck your life. It was the first episode we did and it kicked this whole thing off. Please check it out. This book was one of the first leadership books I picked up that delivered quick, practical, life-changing advice. It's hard for me to think of a book that's had a bigger impact on me in terms of the trajectory it set me on towards growth. The chapter we're looking at today is called Burn Your Goals, aptly named, just like the book. And as you can tell, this is the main thrust of the book and the one point you cannot miss. What we're going to do today is read the chapter together, and I'll stop two to three times to further elaborate on a couple key sections to get you applying this amazing piece of leadership art. Without further ado, let's jump in. Burn your goals. Be faithful in the small things, for it is in them that your strength lies. Mother Teresa. I want to tell you how this all started. Last fall, one of the girls I train who plays collegiate golf sent me a text message with a picture of her goals, and it was the final straw. I was tired of seeing people get high off the thrill of setting big goals when they weren't willing to commit to the controllables. I told her, burn your wish list. I want to see your commitment list. 
I want to know what you are committed to doing with your 24 hours a day to close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. What are you willing to sacrifice inside your 86,400 seconds every day to become the person you want to be? We don't have to we don't have control over outcomes, but we do have control over how we use our time. Time is the only resource that is the same for everyone, regardless of how much money you make, your race, or where you live. We only get 86,400 seconds every day. My whole life transformed when a mentor of mine asked me a simple question over coffee. He said, what do you do with all your time? I pontificated for the next few minutes about all the things I did with my time, but he seemed to have bought it. However, that question haunted me for the next couple days. I knew I had massive dreams and how I used my time was not in direct proportion to the size of my dreams. I started cutting a lot of stuff out of my life and drastically changed what I did with my time. I was guilty, as many of us are, of running towards all the stuff that was keeping me from my dreams. Friends, chilling, Facebook, TV, staying busy, parties, and many other time wasters. For six months, I studied like a student in medical school, reading for up to 15 hours a day. Most of my friends and family told me I was crazy. I had to block out a lot of noise from outside influences. When you are climbing out of a bucket full of crabs, there will be many people who try and pull you back down to their level. After six months, I found myself in an elevator with Anson Dorrance, along with 15 other people. Anson Dorrance serves as the head coach of the University of North Carolina's women's soccer program. We got off the elevator, and everyone turned right. Anson and I went left. I asked him, who works with your girls on mental training? He said, I do. I can read and write. Touche. If I had won 20 out of a total of 30 national championships ever held in my sport, I would probably be very confident in my work as well. I asked if he knew who Barbara Fredrickson was, and he said, I do not. Why should I? My response sounded as fast as an auctioneer at a car auction. Her research on positivity shows that if your positivity ratio is around 1 to 1, that forecasts clinical depression. If your positivity ratio is around 2 to 1, that forecasts languishing in life. But if your positivity ratio is over 3 to 1, it hits this funny tipping point and it starts to forecast flourishing, regardless of how you define flourishing. It also impacts individuals and teams in a similar way. Oh, and she teaches at this little school you might be familiar with, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Slowly, a huge smile spread across his face, and he stopped dead in his tracks. Can you write that down for me? You might have just made my trip here worthwhile. Three months later, he had me out to work with his program as the third outsider ever to work with the UNC women's soccer on mental training. I don't have a sports psychology degree. But drastically changing how I used my time got me an endorsement in a relationship with one of the greatest people in coaching. I was really frustrated for a long time because I felt like nobody took me seriously. The real problem was I didn't take myself seriously. When I started taking myself seriously, I drastically changed how I used my time. Make sure your willingness to sacrifice and how you use your 86,400 seconds every day are in direct proportion to the size of your dreams. We have control over how we use our time, but we don't have control over our goals. We know it is countercultural and potentially crazy to let go of goals. It goes against everything most parents, mentors, self-help books, and expensive special consultants implore us to apply. But no one sits around at the beginning of the year and says, our goal is to finish last place in the conference. 
Our goal is to have the worst shooting percentage in the country. Our goal is to have a mediocre season. Our goal is to get outsold by every competitor in the business. Our goal is to have negative cash flow. You never hear this. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to grow. Very few are willing to do what it takes. It's easy to have a goal-setting meeting. It's hard to get up day after day and put the work in when everyone else is having more fun, spending time with friends, making more money, and doing hundreds of other things you would rather be doing in the moment. What if our goals were actually holding us back from becoming the people we want to be and achieving our greatest potential? Rather than focusing on arbitrary goals, we try to focus 100% of our energy on our commitments and controllables. All right, let's step out for a second. This is the main push from the book. What if our goals were actually holding us back from becoming the people we want to be and achieving our greatest potential? Now, when I share this with people, most leaders react in one of two ways. The first is to get defensive of goals. The second is to respond in a eureka moment of this is what I've been missing. For the first group here, uh, hear this. I love goals. I'm a huge fan of goals, but it wasn't until I read this book that I realized that goals were not enough. Think about it. Does a compass take people to their destination? Well, yes and no. It can show you true north. It can show you what direction you travel in, but it can't put in the work for you. You have to walk. You have to put in the energy. You have to eat the right things. You have to overcome the obstacles in your path. Which is more important, the action or the direction? Both. Your goals and what you do to achieve those goals are equally important. Unfortunately, we live in a goal-supercharged culture where goals are promised to be the fix, all the cure-all to every leader's problems, right? I tend to think the actions that follow are much more important because that's the hard part. Now back to the chapter. Here's some examples of controllables, self-talk, routine, what we do with our 86,400 seconds every day, perspective, communication, processes, visualization, attitude, focus, body language, gratefulness. By focusing on controllables, you naturally close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. By focusing on outcome-based goals that are outside of your control, you increase pressure, decrease confidence, and make yourself and those you lead miserable in the process. The inner box are the things we can control. The outer box has examples of things outside of our control. Focusing your energy on the outer box is a recipe for an emotional roller coaster. If we will commit to focusing all of our energy on the inner box, we will get better results and have a greater sense of peace. We know that for many people, removing goals is like taking away the training wheels, but it's long overdue. In the beginning, goals served a purpose, but eventually you outgrow them. At some point, training wheels are more of a hindrance than a help. You can't go off cool jumps and your experience is severely limited with training wheels on. Have you ever seen someone compete in the X Games with training wheels? Another common objection. We see the fear in many people's eyes when we suggest letting go of outcome-based thinking and burning their goals. We know it's a scary idea and people in leadership often tell us they need goals to help their team or organization have something to strive for. Holding the stick with a carrot dangling down, they ask, What will they work towards if we don't have goals? Our answer, we should be working towards true mental toughness. 
And we define true mental toughness as having a great attitude, giving your very, very best, treating people really, really well, and having unconditional gratitude regardless of your circumstances. Relationships and personal characteristics are what we know are most valuable in life. If we focus all of our energy on developing true mental toughness, we can use our sport, job, relationship, and challenges to become the type of people we want to be rather than being used by our context. We hear it often from people in coaching, parenting, or even politics that sports are transformational, but we would argue that they are not intrinsically transformational, but they can be. Too many people are being used by their sport and are actually being conditioned to have some characteristics that are less than beneficial. They are learning it is acceptable and sometimes encouraged to not treat people well after a tough game. Cheating is okay as long as you don't get caught. Their values come from winning and losing a game. Getting the W is all that matters. Treating people harshly is okay as long as it leads to a positive performance. Sacrificing relationships is worthwhile if you win. Think about this. Do you want to work for someone who only treats you well whenever you're performing at your peak levels? Do you want to live with someone who has a good attitude when everything is going well in his or her life? Do you want employees who are only grateful when you give them bonuses? Do you want to be part of a team that only gives its best when individuals are playing well? If we set arbitrary outcome-based goals for those we are leading, we're actually creating more entitled people. Much like the parent who pays his or her 10-year-old according to the points she scores, we are conditioning them to believe that there are needs to be an external prize at the end of work. If we focus on the goal, then we are setting people up for a life of what can I get for doing this rather than how can I learn and grow from this? How can I serve others? How can I make our team better? Imagine the implications for relationships alone. If we are focusing on developing true mental toughness individually and collectively, we are instilling values-driven attitudes inside those we leave. We are telling them it is who we become on the journey, not the prize that is most valuable. If and only if we focus on true mental toughness can we take back the transformational power of sports and use them to refine our character. By focusing on true mental toughness, all we can do is win. Because if we are performing poorly, it is an incredible opportunity to develop more true mental toughness. If we are performing well, then it's win if we are focused on the things under our control. This same concept applies in business and other facets of our life. Here's another objection, but goals are ingrained in my vocabulary. Before we move forward, it's important to clarify what we mean by goals. We mean things outside of your control. So many things that are outcome-based. Examples would be being salesperson of the month at your company, making a certain amount of money in a year, making a certain number of sales in a set period of time, winning the conference championship, finishing top three in the conference, making a 3.5 GPA, finishing top 10 in the country, winning a national championship, getting a scholarship to play a sport in college. While there is a measure of controllable action in each of these contexts, these are all examples of ends that can be and often are determined by forces outside of our control. Let us explain. Winning a game is a combination of many factors, some controllable and some not. We've all seen teams or been part of teams that have been played extremely well, fought through adversity, and have given every last ounce of effort only to lose because of a referee's decision, crucial injuries, or one decisive slip on the court. Though we give maximum effort and do everything in our power to win, we may still come up short. The fundamental principle is that outcomes are outside of our control. If we could control results, then we would no doubt be the highest paid commodities in the world. But we can't. 
One example of this came from my time playing at Duke. We played Alabama A&M on a hot Sunday afternoon, and we were a much better team. We outshot them 19-6. to I drew a penalty kick seven minutes into the game, and my teammate Mike Grella put us up 1-0. The next 83 minutes of the game was probably the craziest of my career. Alabama A&M went on to score five goals on six shots, and four of those goals were scored with shots to the top corner of the goal. I've never seen anything like it. Results are often outside of our control. And on a hot Sunday afternoon, I learned this lesson the tough way in a 5-4 to four loss. So what do we do? Rather than setting arbitrary goals and focusing on the outcomes, create a compelling mission for your life. You don't have to become a doctor to be able to live out the mission of serving the needs of the sick. You don't have to win a championship to be able to live out the mission of pursuing excellence and being a beneficial role model for youth in your community. You don't have to have a ministry in order to show people the love of Jesus, serve their needs, and give them hope. Create a compelling mission for your business. Create a mission and list out the commitments that are 100% controllable and commit to pursuing true mental toughness. All right, quick book break. I love this idea of setting missions versus goals. Number one, I think as a leader, you should spend some good time coming up with a life purpose statement. The earlier, the better. Some people get locked up on this. They think, what if I want to change it later? Well, let me be the first one to give you permission. You can change your life purpose statement. It's your life. But every leader needs a vision and a mission that grabs their soul that motivates them to give their best. Another way to look at it is you need goals slash missions that drive you to work out of passion. Work-life balance is a great way to live life, but balance doesn't motivate people to give their best. Passion does. I'm trying to find a way to bring more passion to my work. That's when I and you are at our best. Come up with a life purpose statement. Tweak it over time. And when you write goals, make them exciting and action-oriented. Here's an example from my life. We have an Airbnb we rent. I was cleaning it a lot, so I started trying to come up with a goal. I started like this. Clean the Airbnb less. Not exactly the kind of thing that gets me out of bed. I kept working on it and came up with this. Execute a strategy that gets me cleaning the Airbnb less than 10% of the time and making more money thus freeing me to do what I do best. See the difference? Way better for me, and it's moving me to work out of passion. I think it'll be good for you too. All right, back to the book. If you are selling cars, don't let numbers drive you. Realize that you have the opportunity to make a family's life more efficient and safer by finding them the most suitable car for their needs. When people and groups commit to being mission-driven rather than goal-driven, we have seen the results take care of themselves. Oprah had this to say to the graduating class at Stanford, I am always happy doing my talk show, but that happiness reached a depth of fulfillment and of joy that I really can't describe to you or measure when I stopped just being on TV and looking at TV as a job. I decided to use television, to use it and not have it use me, to use it as a platform to serve my viewers. That alone changed the trajectory of my success. John Wooden said, I've yet to meet a cynic who can describe for me what you can do beyond one's best. 
We believe we have raised the bar by adding the three additional tenets to true mental toughness. They are very challenging, but 100% controllable. In their book, Built to Last, Jim Collins and Jerry Porras give many examples of how mission-driven companies always outperform profit-driven companies in the long run. Companies like Apple, Sony, and Facebook have never focused on maximizing shareholder profitability. Rather, they focus on their mission and have become extremely valuable as a byproduct. When the pharmaceutical company Merck brought antibiotics to Japan after World War II, it was not a profitable endeavor. But today, Merck is the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. George Merck II summed up putting first things first when he said, We try to remember that medicine is for the patient. We try to never forget that medicine is for the people. It is not for the profits. The profits follow, and if we have remembered that, they have never failed to appear. The better we have remembered it, the larger they have been. And built to last, Collins and Porus write, Contrary to business school doctrine, we did not find maximizing shareholder wealth or profit maximization as the dominant driving force or primary objective through the history of the most visionary companies. Please let go of the wish list. Focus on what you are committed to doing in order to close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Remember, you don't have to be the CEO to make a difference. At a Jamba Juice in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, one of the people working there wrote, You are loved on my drink. I don't know if this was authorized, but I can tell you it made my day. It made me want to go back there again and again. Common objections to burning your goals. At this point, many people tell us, all that sounds great, but the reality is I have to win to keep my job. I have to make money to pay the bills. My company has sales goals I have to hit. My coach told me I need to score 15 points and have eight rebounds a game. I have to reach this goal or else. We have seen example after example of how focusing on true mental toughness, controllables, and commitments has led to drastically increased results. We aren't saying sacrifice results. We are saying let go of them and focus on what you actually have control over. We haven't lowered the bar. We've raised it. When we focus on the process, the results take care of themselves. As John Wooden said, you may not like the results, but the results will probably be pretty close to what they should be. By letting go of goals and focusing on commitments, controllables, and true mental toughness, there's more accountability because unlike outcome-based goals, our commitments are 100% inside our control. The scariest part about goals. Regardless of whether you achieve your goals or never come close to them, they have the potential of defining your worth as a person. I want to be clear that we don't believe there's anything inherently wrong with winning a championship or winning the prize, but when those accomplishments make us better than other people or more inherently valuable than others, then that is where it becomes extremely problematic. We believe our value is intrinsic and comes from being a child of God who he meticulously and perfectly created for a purpose, not from what we do, what we do, and how much value we provide to the world might impact how much money we can make, a starting spot on a team, or result in a cooler job, but can never change our intrinsic value as a person. Every person on earth is inherently worth the same, infinitely priceless. But is that the message our society teaches? Hardly. Watch or listen to sports shows and count how many times they talk about someone's identity and value according to their stats, accolades, or mistakes. Read popular magazines and see how often they talk about someone having made it because they're on TV or won an award. 
What our society tells us is that intrinsic value is attached to what we achieve or don't achieve. This is very destructive. We always ask people who play and coach whose records are not glamorous how they would carry themselves if their team was 15 and 0. Every single one of them nervously laughs and says, I'd probably be feeling pretty good. Every single one of them says they would be more diligent in their process and they would treat people better, including themselves. But the reality is that if you feel like you are a nobody without it, you'll never be anybody with it. True satisfaction and fulfillment cannot be found through achievement. If you want to know where we find ultimate satisfaction, watch or listen to the Jesus is blank music project on YouTube or iTunes. Your worth as a person is set. You are no more valuable or less valuable because of what you do. When we focus on the process of growth and true mental toughness, we steer the souls of those we impact away from treacherous emotional roller coasters of results-based identity and toward the journey of growth and development. Other dangerous goals create. Here's another challenge with goal talk. If we are trying to build confidence based on accomplishments from things those we lead have done in the past, our attempts to encourage them when they are struggling with results are more apt to fall on deaf ears. Okay, time out from the book. This is an exceptional point for all of you who are leading leaders or who want to be leading leaders one day. We'll be back in one second to break down this leadership goal from the book.
Okay, we're back. The authors of Burn Your Goals say this, here is another challenge with goal talk. If we are trying to build confidence based on accomplishments from things those we lead have done in the past, our attempts to encourage them when they are struggling with results are more apt to fall on deaf ears. Have you ever tried to encourage someone who is failing or who has failed? What predicts how that person responds to failure? Is there a rhyme or a reason? Is it emotional temperament, toughness? I think those things play into how individuals handle failure. But I think a very important factor is the culture that came before the failure. Are your employees or leaders trained to view their job as a series of goals that are hit or missed? Or are they trained to see their jobs as a journey? One with success and failure where the goal is to get better, to constantly improve, to learn and on and on. The latter will result in you and those you lead becoming resilient, becoming failure-proof in a way as you see failure as part of the process versus a personal indicting scary thing. Okay, back to the book. If we have praised them in the past for what they achieved, then we have conditioned them to understand that the value comes from the result, not growth, and definitely not from enjoying the journey. When they hit the inevitable plateaus on the path to mastery, those dry spots where nothing seems to get any better with countless hours of deliberate practice, they will be more likely to relent or give up because they have been conditioned to believe the work is only worthwhile if the goal is achieved and the outcome attained. The beauty of sports is that the parameters of winning and losing are already defined for us, so we don't need to spend any focused time on them. We can focus all of our energy on things within our control. John Wooden said you couldn't find a person he coached who ever heard him mention winning. Most people who coach golf understand the importance of letting go of outcome-based thinking. They always tell the people on their team to focus on one shot at a time and not get ahead of themselves. This advice doesn't just apply to golf. It applies to all sports and all of life. If we get ahead of ourselves and are thinking about everything in the future, we detract from our ability to fully engage in the present moment. When we get ahead of ourselves, we tend to trip and fall. You see it all the time on Sundays with people who play in the NFL. A guy starts running before they secure the catch and they end up dropping the ball, or worse, popping it up for an interception. If we focus on doing our very best in the present moment, the results will take care of themselves. Okay, this chapter continues, but we have hit the best of it. Good work, people. I love this book. Burn Your Goals was the catalyst in my leadership journey, and that was mainly due to what we read above. The actions you take are far more important than the goals you make. Goals are good, but goals don't produce results like disciplined and consistent action does. If you haven't picked up Burn Your Goals, go out and buy it now on Amazon. Use our link because you'll get the book at no extra cost to you, and we'll get some proceeds to keep bringing you the best content possible week in and week out. We'd really appreciate if you buy it, if you use our link in the show notes. If you want it on Audible, we got a deal on there as well for you. It's quick, it's fun, and it's an impactful book that will take you to the next level. That's our second book for your next chapter. Over the coming weeks, we're going to keep bringing you some of the best chapters from the books we love and the books we've already reviewed, coaching you to wring them out for every ounce of leadership growth. This is your host, Jake Welchens, and remember, life's too short for bad books. If you know someone out there who would benefit from today's episode, please share. Let's build this thing together. I need your help. 
to connect or see what I'm reading right now, follow me on my Instagram at Jake Welchens or my Goodreads profile at www.goodreads.com slash Jake Welchens. This podcast is brought to you by the Launchpad Podcast Collection and performed and written by myself, Jake Welchens. Podcast production by the one and only Logan Bonjean. See you next time on Readout. Okay, we're back. The authors of Burn Your Goals say this, here is another challenge with goal talk. If we are trying to build confidence based on accomplishments from things those we lead have done in the past, our attempts to encourage them when they are struggling with results are more apt to fall on deaf ears. Have you ever tried to encourage someone who is failing or who has failed? What predicts how that person responds to failure? Is there a rhyme or a reason? Is it emotional temperament? toughness. I think those things play into how individuals handle failure, but I think a very important factor is the culture that came before the failure. Are your employees or leaders trained to view their job as a series of goals that are hit or missed, or are they trained to see their jobs as a journey, one with success and failure, where the goal is to get better, to constantly improve, to learn, and on and on. The latter will result in you and those you lead becoming resilient, becoming failure-proof in a way as you see failure as part of the process versus a personal indicting scary thing. Okay, back to the book. If we have praised them in the past for what they achieved, then we have conditioned them to understand that the value comes from the result, not growth, and definitely not from enjoying the journey. When they hit the inevitable plateaus on the path to mastery, those dry spots where nothing seems to get any better with countless hours of deliberate practice, they will be more likely to relent or give up because they have been conditioned to believe the work is only worthwhile if the goal is achieved and the outcome attained. The beauty of sports is that the parameters of winning and losing are already defined for us, so we don't need to spend any focused time on them. We can focus all of our energy on things within our control. John Wooden said, you couldn't find a person he coached who ever heard him mention winning. Most people who coach golf understand the importance of letting go of outcome-based thinking. They always tell the people on their team to focus on one shot at a time and not get ahead of themselves. This advice doesn't just apply to golf. It applies to all sports and all of life. If we get ahead of ourselves and are thinking about everything in the future, we detract from our ability to fully engage in the present moment. When we get ahead of ourselves, we tend to trip and fall. You see it all the time on Sundays with people who play in the NFL. A guy starts running before they secure the catch and they end up dropping the ball, or worse, popping it up for an interception. If we focus on doing our very best in the present moment, the results will take care of themselves. Okay, this chapter continues, but we have hit the best of it. Good work, people. I love this book. Burn Your Goals was the catalyst in my leadership journey, and that was mainly due to what we read above. The actions you take are far more important than the goals you make. Goals are good, but goals don't produce results like disciplined and consistent action does. If you haven't picked up Burn Your Goals, go out and buy it now on Amazon. Use our link because you'll get the book at no extra cost to you, and we'll get some proceeds to keep bringing you the best content possible week in and week out. We'd really appreciate if you buy it, if you use our link in the show notes. If you want it on Audible, we got a deal on there as well for you. It's quick, it's fun, and it's an impactful book that will take you to the next level. That's our second book for your next chapter. 
Over the coming weeks, we're going to keep bringing you some of the best chapters from the books we love and the books we've already reviewed, coaching you to ring them out for every ounce of leadership growth. This is your host, Jake Welchens, and remember, life's too short for bad books. If you know someone out there who would benefit from today's episode, please share. Let's build this thing together. I need your help. To connect or see what I'm reading right now, follow me on my Instagram at Jake Welchens or my Goodreads profile at www.goodreads.com slash This podcast is brought to you by the Launchpad Podcast Collection and performed and written by myself, Jake Welchens. Podcast production by the one and only Logan Bonjean. See you next time on Readout.